anything you can do, I can do better. I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboy fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, from Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is. This is a presentation of Northeast Streaming Sports. Good morning. You're listening to the Mac and Jack Sports Show on Northeast Streaming Sports. Hey, and good Saturday morning. Welcome to the Mac and Jack and Doc Saturday Debate Show. And boy, do we have some great debates my dear friends out there, you should see the debates we have before the debates. Oh, my goodness. We debate things about debating. And then we debate about the debate before we debate. Oh, it's good stuff. But anyway, let's have some fun. It's fun. It's good. And it's all in good fun. So let's start with college football. It seems the bowl games are coming up relatively quickly. And some seemingly deservingly deserving teams were left out of the tournament. So let's begin. Is Florida State or Georgia deserving to play for the national championship? Well, we're kind of sitting here looking at each other because me and Jack have been talking about this. Of course, it's one of the biggest stories in the NCAA right now. Uh, the championship team, Florida State, was undefeated, and they got left out of the bowl game because their quarterback got hurt. And even though they won without the quarterback in the last game, a lot of people that were making the decision decided that Florida wasn't good enough to play in the final four matched up against the other teams that are in there right now. Right now you got Washington, Michigan, Texas, and Alabama. Georgia, who was number one all year, gets beat by Alabama by three points um, in the last game, and they get left out, and they only have one loss. So really the only two undefeated teams in there right now from the top 25, I think, are, are Washington and Michigan. Texas has one loss, and uh, Alabama has one loss. So as me and Jack are talking, I'm, I'm kind of going with the thing. I think Jack was going with it, too, that Florida State maybe shouldn't be in there. I kinda, I've kind of rethought this again, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Florida State does deserve to be in there because even though the quarterback got hurt, Maybe they get blown out. Maybe they don't. They're undefeated. And they had one of the best records in the top 10. It would be like in the NFL if the Philadelphia Eagles played all the way to the last game and Jalen Hurts gets hurt and he doesn't play in the last game, but they still have the best record in the league. And then the NFL comes out and says, guess what? You're not any good without Jalen Hurts. San Francisco is going to beat you. Dallas is going to beat you. Detroit might even beat you. So guess what? You're not playing. So if you look at it from that side, it makes no sense at all. I know they want ratings. Florida State's a, a very uh, a, a huge school in the SEC. And the SEC is one of the major players in the national championship. You always seem to have a, a national championship being an SEC team. Alabama, Georgia was the champion the last two years. 
So they do get some kind of a, a bump being SEC and, and well-deserved because it is a tough conference to play in. But if you want to have the four best teams from the year, Florida State has to be one of them. Is it the four best teams or the four most deserving teams? That's the question. And there's no answer because unlike professional sports, where there's a direct playoff format, there's a standings and they're tiebreakers. This selection committee seems to base their picks on which are the best teams right now, who they think are the best teams, not who's necessarily earned the position. I can't stand the whole setup. If a team loses their first game of the season by one point and they dominate every game the rest of the year, they're going to be told, oh, you lost the game and another team was unbeaten. They, they could be told that. Or conversely, a team could go unbeaten the whole year, do everything in their power to win. But like Florida State's quarterback got injured. So Florida, Florida State's told, well, you're maybe not one of the stronger teams now because you're quarterbackers. I'd imagine the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, let's make believe, win every single game all season until the year. But at some point, Patrick Mahomes gets injured towards the end of the year. They're going to be told, well, you're not the strongest team without Patrick Mahomes in there. So you're not going to be in the playoffs, even though they would have won every game. The problem is that there are only four teams allowed in. You expand it, there's going to be less controversy. But even if they expand it four to eight teams, which they're going to do, there's still going to be controversy. You expand to 16 teams, there's going to be controversy. Look at NCAA basketball. They have 64 teams, and occasionally there's a minor controversy over a team being left out and not invited to the tournament. So I think you can't avoid controversy in its entirety but if you're florida state that's ridiculous you've won every game and you're left out you couldn't do anything more in georgia two-time defending champions they lose one game as defending champions by a field goal and now they're not in the playoffs i mean something is just off here and uh even like the situation yeah okay we were we were going to talk about Another situation with Deion Sanders later. So I'm going to leave that alone for when it comes up. You're right. So so there's got to be some kind of – I don't know if it was worse. Everybody, we had that computer I remember one time. It was a, I forget the name of the computer they used to, to do the rankings. And they put in percentages and they took the human element out of it. As long as, as, long as the human element is in it and it's not based off the records, you're going to have this all the time. And if you're a top team, Jack, if you're a top team in the top 25 that is undefeated, how can you not get in there? I know you want to talk about you, people want to talk about strength of schedule. As we say all the time in, in sports, you beat the teams that are in front of you. You 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 win. Sometimes you even kill the teams in front of you, and still you don't get in. Who's to say that Florida State can't beat Washington or Texas? I, I mean, well, even schedule, mean, it's, it's, schedule means something if it's a much smaller school that has had a weaker schedule all around. Let's say a Rutgers, it went unbeaten. Their schedule, I don't think, would have been as hard as some of the other, you know, schools. I don't remember Rutgers' full schedule, you know, this past season and all their games. But I'm assuming that based on history their schedule wouldn't be quite as hard, even though they would have had a couple of tough games in there. 
years ago when Barry Switzer coached Oklahoma, they went unbeaten, and there was only one other unbeaten team in the country, Fresno State. And Fresno State had a very easy schedule compared to Oklahoma. And at that point, even all the coaches voted, you know, on who was number one. It was an expanded vote. And I remember Barry Switzer voting against his own team, saying, yeah, I think Fresno State's the number one team. He made like a big joke out of it, casting his vote for Fresno State just so they could have a couple of votes. You and know, in there. that was before Jazz going back to where there wasn't even a championship played. They just ranked wasn't them. Even, yeah. yeah well, they that was the bowl games. well, the bowl games, I mean, have lost their importance, but that's in comparison to years ago. But that's another, you know, yeah, topic. Definitely. So, so again, Doc, I feel Florida State should definitely be in there. Uh, but who do you want out? But if someone has to exit. If you want them in, the Texas. next question you're going to be asked, who leaves? I would okay, say Texas. Texas. And if Georgia should be in, you'd probably say Alabama should be out, I would assume, correct? I would I would think, who, who knows how good Washington and really is? Alabama did beat Georgia by a field goal, you know. Right, right. And, and, and Texas beat Alabama early in the season. Washington is undefeated. Who's to say how good they are? I haven't seen them play SEC team, right? They've played over in the Pac West and mainly Oregon, Oregon State, and Washington State, which I think are very good teams. Well, Who's to say that they can beat? Well, what about Ohio State? Agreed. They lost one game barely to Michigan in a classic game. And no one's talking about the virtues of Ohio State. I agree. I agree. That's I think it's all a messed third up. team. Yeah, that hasn't been making. Me and Jack talked before. about this before, Doc, to, to to finish it up. We think the the at least I do, and I think Jack agrees with me to a point. They should have divisions in college football like they have in in uh, an NFL, and you get the top teams and a couple of wild cards, and let them play off till they get to the to, to the national championship, call it a national college Super Bowl, if you will, and then you'll finally have some some more clarity on who should be the champion of the of the NCAA college football. Yeah, it sounds like the whole system's messed up. But, of course, if you go with divisions, what's going to happen is you're going to have a weaker division and you're going to have a team, because this is what happens now in every sport. You're going to have a team that's one game under 500 that somehow wins the division or gets the wild card and then gets hot, wins a couple games, and they're going to say they're the national champion, but Florida only lost one game and it was in the national champion, you know, whatever. I mean, that, that anytime you have these rankings, anytime you have these series, there's going to be questions. It seems unfair. If, if I were making the list, and listen, I don't watch college football. I don't think I've ever seen a college football game except when my uh, kids took me to like homecoming at their own colleges. I went to a West Point Lafayette game once before my youngest son went to Lafayette, but for the most part, I don't watch it on TV. Definitely. Um, I would think that if you are the national champion, Georgia, and you had an almost perfect season, you lost just one game by a field goal you have a you have a you deserve to be in that tournament to defend your title from the year before. That's just silly that that they're not in it. But otherwise, yeah, if you bring Florida State in, then you kick out Washington. But Washington was undefeated, so how is that fair to them? So you know, someday someone is going to stop and ask, where did all these great schools rate as educational institutes? 
You know, no one has any clue how good an academic school it is. Let's say someone's not an athlete. You know, I for fun, I would love to someone to, you know, write down all about these schools that are in the playoffs and which is the best for non-athlete to go to what they offer. But uh, it seemed, you know, college sports, especially football, basketball, and some of the other sports as well, You know, we forget that's what they're about. But what could I tell you? (laughs) Well, it's a big market, right? It's a big, big money industry. But but, but it helps. It puts the school on the map, unlike academics. Let's be honest. It's great at school, unless it's in Oxford or something like that, or Harvard or Yale. We're not going to think of these schools academically. The sports bring a ton of attention to them and and an amazing amount of revenue (laughs) that you hope they're using the right way. Isn't, isn't that one of the things about Notre Dame? Notre Dame drafts a little bit differently or recruits a little differently because they recruit students first rather than athletes. Am I wrong about that? Well, you're partially right. It's, it's there are higher academic standards uh, at Notre Dame to play. So you gotta you got to achieve these standards if you want to play uh, sports there. I think recruiting is probably basically the same. I, I, I don't think they, they, you know, that I, I listen, I think Mich- Michigan probably has a great education program. I think, Georgia probably has a great education program. They make a lot of money. And I know Michigan is involved in scientists. Scientists, I've seen something on Michigan before. So I imagine they do have it. It's just what gets, of course, what gets the news is, is sports for these big schools. So, Or at least the news that we watch primarily. No doubt about that because we, we love to watch sports. So let's, let's ask the, the million-dollar question. Deion Sanders, he was the big topic in college football coaching this year. If he was the coach of Florida State, would Florida State be in the tournament? I absolutely, absolutely, because Dion would have meant a lot for ratings, exactly. and Dion creates a buzz. And then there's the other issue that can't be avoided. You know that he is a black, co- you know, head coach, and so that issue, you know, right or wrong, would have scared off some of the nominating committee who maybe thought. He didn't belong. And then I like Dion. He's done a fantastic job with Colorado, even though they kind of faded after winning some early games. He made this the program relevant and moving forward. There's a lot of interest in the Colorado program because of Dion Sanders. So I think without question, they don't leave Dion out. And I think Dion was is smart enough that maybe unlike some of the other head coaches, he wouldn't have quite waited for the selection committee to make the pick. He would have went on the attack, you know, because Dion has that charismatic personality, and I think the media would have picked up on it, and there would have been such pressure on the nominating committee to pick Florida State. I think they would have gotten in, and that's the mark of a good coach. You get your team in one way or the other, you get them to move forward, and Dion, uh, I think he'd be a good NFL coach, you know, if it's time comes, you know, and gets an offer from one of the NFL owners. The most interesting thing about that is Dion was, uh, there was rumors that Dion might go to Florida uh, when he's done in Colorado. If he was there, as Jack says, I agree with what he said. I don't know about the black coach part of it, but I do agree with what he said about being on attack. Dion Sanders said we're undefeated. We've beaten three ranked at, uh, uh, teams that were in the top 25. No other team and that in that championship uh, uh, four has done that. They've beat more ranked teams than any of them 
he would have threw that in there. He would have kept the pressure on him. And I guarantee you, Florida State would have been in a national championship with or without that quarterback. And they might get killed. Listen, Doc, honestly, they're going to be playing Georgia, Georgia, Florida State in one of the bowl games. Georgia State's probably going to kill Florida State. They probably are. I, I would say by at least two touchdowns. But they still deserve to play in the final four, as I think Georgia did too. So, Deion Sanders, and everybody says he's great for Colorado. That still remains to be seen. I, I want to see how that progresses next year. This year they started out hot. He made him a national story this year, Matt. Did, no one right. would have cared about Colorado otherwise. He did. That's the Deion point. Sanders. That's the point. And he relates to the players. He has control of his program. I understand. I've, I've, watched, I've watched all that, Jack, but still, he's still got to prove to me that he's going to be a winning coach at a major school. And right now, he's not a winning coach. So I'm not going to give him credit. For, for having a bad season. I'm going to give him credit for getting great recruits. I'm going to give him credit for bringing up uh, people to look at Colorado, to maybe want to go to Colorado. But first, he's got to win something. He's got to have a winning season before I say he does a great job as far as a coach goes. We'll see what happens next year. Yeah, the shame is, and I think I agree with you guys. Again, I don't follow college football, but if the team is going to make it because the coach is dynamic and he creates buzz and he's interesting – that, that's really not the reason why you should be having a team make it into the playoffs. I thought you both gave exa excellent examples of a quarterback getting hurt before the Super Bowl and then the NFL saying, oh, sorry, you can't play in the Super Bowl because your quarterback's hurt. That's just ridiculous. A backup quarterback has to play. And as I recall, Tom Brady didn't start all that much when he was at Michigan, right? He always seemed to be behind no. somebody else. And then Drew Henson was going to play or whatever. Drew I don't follow closely enough to yeah. know all the names, but – yeah. You know, if I'm whoever that backup quarterback is on Florida State, I'm hoping he's a Tom Brady type. And he then gets drafted, goes to the NFL. He's the sixth quarterback on the chart and somehow uh, ascends and becomes Six a Super round. Bowl winning coach a number of times. And he could say, wouldn't that something? I'm the guy you wouldn't even let play in that bowl game. It really should be about the best teams, not the most dynamic or energetic coach. And it and it's not fair to that backup quarterback also that his team isn't in it just because he's not the starter. That's just silly. Doc, Doc, enough situations where the non-starter has risen and been great. Yes, sir. But with Florida State, a lot of people felt they were worthy. If they were a bit in the distance, Deion Sanders shouldn't be the reason to put them in. But if everything was close, very close, that could have gone either way. They look at television ratings. They look at the buzz it creates, the excitement. And right. Deion Sanders creates excitement. He's a tiebreaker, without question. Uh, and as far as Tom Brady goes, he was – six-round draft choice, and Bill Belichick always liked his talent, but Bill Belichick, uh, I was reading, was a bit apprehensive to take Brady because when he was at Michigan, it seemed that Michigan was always looking for another quarterback, and that was a red flag to Belichick. Why would they be looking at other quarterbacks when they had Brady, you know, all along? Yeah, right, so I hope that Florida quarterback does – uh, whatever you know, Brady did and has himself a great career, and that can be his well, story. Florida quarterback said he wished he'd gotten hurt early in the season. It, it, this sounds gruesome. He says he wished he'd broken his leg early in the season rather than late in the season because his team is more than just about him being the quarterback, and they would have shown they could win without him all year. I mean, it, it sounds like an awful thing to say, wishing when he would have gotten injured, but 
Right, but he was saying that he wished the, the backup guy had gotten a chance. And I, whoever that backup guy is, yeah. I wish he did get a chance. I, so let's let's move on to a bigger a bigger question in regard to um, all sports, really. In a game, should the referees call all the penalties? Should they call them really close? Should they be more lenient? Or do you just let them play? Like call the penalty or let them play? How, how do you balance that? We got to call the penalties. The only controversies laid in the game, officials tend to be sometimes a little more apprehensive, very late in the game, even though not so the last couple of weeks. But with the game on the line, a penalty is a penalty. I mean, whether it's justified or not, I don't know. Whether the rules should be changed for certain penalties on the amount of contact, you know, it's it depends on the sport. I'm thinking along the lines of hockey as well. You know, certain calls, the NBA, football. Football's on people's mind right now with the officiating. But a penalty's a penalty. You got to call it. I mean, and football is the weirdest sport of all. A, a big play could happen and a team could get a touchdown, a first down, and you immediately look for a flag if it's not your team. You know, and how many times have, has a team gotten bailed out by a flag being thrown? I think a more important answer on a penalty, especially in football, when they throw it, did it truly impact the team? If there was holding, uh, the play, I mean, if there was holding, for example, did it, is that the difference why the team was successful? Because one of its players held. I mean, I don't want a, a holding penalty away from the ball and then the play gets brought back. So uh, in that sense, I would just let them play disregard it. But you have to be consistent the whole game. That, that's what players want. Consistency, biggest complaint in baseball, batters. They want a consistent strike zone. They don't want one umpire calling it one way, one umpire calling it the other way. It kind of drives them crazy. Like a player shouldn't have a scouting report on an umpire, how he calls pitches. If they all call it the darn same way, that that solves the problem. You know, there should be an announcement made. And I, and I hope that the NFL comes out because too many games are being decided by penalties and not letting them play. And what I mean by that is not, it's not, listen, if it's blatant, if the guy tackles the, the wide receiver or grabs him, and stops him from catching the ball, yes. But if they're hand fighting, if they're both going at it, you don't call that. You let them play. It slows down the game. And Jack made a hell of a point when he said there's a holding on a receiver away from the where he threw the ball, and they're going to call that and give him five yards and a first down when it would be fourth down. The pass interference defense is a ridiculous, ridiculous spot of the foul, ridiculous penalty, and, and it changes the game. They actually, uh, Bill Parcells said, said well, Jim Jeffcoat said Bill Parcells would actually scout the referees to see what they could get away with and what they couldn't get away with. So this has been going on for years. It's just been lately, especially this year, where teams are crying because they don't get the penalties because the other team's getting the penalties called against them that they're not getting the penalties against. And it becomes crazy. It, it, does, it takes away from the game. It makes the game too long. It makes the refs uh, have more meetings. They're picking up flags. I mean, you can't review every penalty. You can't do that. 
maybe, you know, I, I thought maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should start reviewing some of the bigger penalties because it's, it's getting to the point where it's affecting the game, and that's going to slow the game down too. They always say, well, we'd rather get it right than, than you know, get it wrong and, and, and make it right. I, I don't – doctors got to be an announcement. The NFL has got to come up and say what they're going to call from now on is blatant penalties. These minor ones, they got to get away from them. They got to stop. No, if you allow the minor ones, Mac, it gets out of control because these players are smart and strong, and they'll abuse it. Then you call it, Jack. If they start abusing it, then you call it. If they're going to start, if they're going to start doing this all the time, if it becomes blatant and that's part of their game plan, yes, I agree. But if you're going to call, look, how many calls been this year? They've they've got this guy a pass interference and a ball's been thrown twenty yards downfield. There's no way he could have caught the ball. I've seen that call. And it shouldn't get called if there's no I chance. That's, that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, there's Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show said the best referees are working in the television booth. He says they don't get paid enough. Get the elite guys and pay them top dollar. And I wonder some of these referees, they hold down other jobs during the day. The guy could be an engineer. He could be this. He could be that. And then they show up on the weekend for the game. I mean, you need guys full-time who are training the way players do. Can you imagine the officials working the field just about every day in practice the way players do? It would really sharpen up their skills, but of course the NFL would then have to get practice guys, okay? Well, not NFL players, but guys playing football the same way, maybe not as talented, pay them a salary to have uh, a simulated game with officials to be calling throughout the week, like sparring to sharpen their yeah. skills and batting practice or whatever. I, I think that's what they're going to need, not just have the official look at tape and then show up on game day. They do do that with semi-pro refs. They, they, they will bring semi-pro oh, refs to football, and they will train them on there to to to, uh, to ref in college. But I'll tell you, that is, that is crazy down there because nobody listens to these guys because they're not really in charge. So it really, it really doesn't work as well as as it should because they they challenge referees all the time. Point being, you've got to come up with some kind of 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 answer. You can't just leave it up to different groups to call the way they want to call a game. And and I don't know if an eye in the sky, if an extra referee, everybody says put an extra referee on the field. Use use a referee up in this up in the box to make the calls, the final calls. Then why have the refs on the field at all? Why don't we just... Uh, yeah, you, you can't avoid controversy every sport. Like I mentioned baseball a while ago with the umpires. There's some talk about just have robocalls on balls and strikes. I mean, and not even have... I mean, just having home plate umpire, what? To call guys safer out at home. Technically, you're going to get to the point where you won't even need an umpire. You know, maybe just one guy on the field, he call him a supervisor or whatever. But how much of the human element are we going to take out of the game? That's 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 another great that's another great question. Do we want to take the human element out of the game? Yeah, you know what you know what I kind of miss a little bit, even in baseball, the arguing with a player and this and that. You know, like like Doc's favorite umpire, Billy Martin, the way he would argue with an umpire back and forth. I mean, the fans found that entertaining, but. 
you know, disputes where the guy was safe out. We'd always have like a little fun with those calls. And now with the we, replay, we still see it. I mean, you, you, Aaron Boone has acted very foolish. Remember, he was um, mocking out the umpire, uh, gesturing like him, screaming and yelling. And so they, you still have that. But on balls and strikes, we agree mainly, right? We agree and, on one. Aaron Boone's disputes, I think, happened on the strike zone. Yeah, usually. Yep. But if you took that away, what does he have left to basically argue with? Yeah, nothing. You know, and, and even the human element, we, on um, one past show, we talked about Yogi Berra, Jackie Robinson, that famous play at home played, and we all watched it. You know, that it was controversial for years, not so much so now that we saw the tape and Jackie Robinson looked to be safe. But we enjoy, you know, you enjoyed the dispute for years until, you know, you're studying the replay. It takes the dispute and a little bit the fun out of it. And even Don Lawson's perfect game, we haven't really looked at replay carefully. It was the last pitch really a strike, you know, that ended the game that was a called strike and not. I mean, in a way, I don't even want to look at the replay carefully because it takes the fun out of it if it wasn't a strike. You don't mm -hmm. want to tarnish it. Uh, Jim Joyce with the perfect game, with the missed call, great umpire, great career. Unfortunately, that's what pops into your head when you hear the name Jim Joyce. He suffered more than the pitcher with that call. But I'll uh, disagree with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah, maybe you're right on that. Well, I don't know about that. I think that missed perfect game is more famous than most perfect games. Yeah, you know, but, that but he doesn't go down as pitching a perfect game, and he did. So, I but, mean, but it goes down as one of the great sportsmanship things. What happened the next day? Sure, you know the incident. You know the human element is a great, great lesson that I remember very much. All right, let's as we're talking about managers, and the Yankees made a big trade this week, and they got Juan Soto. But that's not the question. What's more important for a team? I hope you guys are laughing inside as, as I do this. <laughs> What's more important as a, for a team? A good manager or getting the great free agent? So we've had teams that have gotten great, great free agents. We've got, we've got a great free agent and Aaron Judge on our team. Texas had a great free agent that ended up not playing for, for most of the year. I think that a great free agent can help you out, but you need a very good manager to win in any sport. I make fun of the managers in baseball a lot because a lot of them sit in the dugout and chew gum and don't do much. But during the week and during the season, preseason, I imagine they're in charge of getting the guys in shape and setting up uh, drills and, and, and is ahead of everything. But if you look at some teams that weren't great in the past, like the 77 Yankees, they were by no means a great team full of, uh, they had one free agent, Reggie Jackson, that was controversial. He was great. But without Billy Martin there, I don't think the Yankees would have won in 77. I don't think they would have even made the World Series in 76. That's just my opinion. That, that's something for Doc to respond to. I, I love and, it, Matt. And, and, and without Texas's manager next year, last year, I don't know if they make the World Series. They had one of one of the greatest managers of all time. They've lost. They lost a free agent for the year. One of the best pitchers. So I think 
if you don't have that great manager, I mean, the Braves, when they won the World Series, uh, Kansas City, when they won the World Series recently, was it was it the free agents that it did it or was it the management? So, you know, I mean, you can stack your team like the San Diego San Diego Padres with a great free agents. You can stack like the the uh, L.A. Dodgers did. But if there's nobody there that can put this team together and play like one team and and when they free agents get hurt, other players come in and play just as hard and not if not uh, to hold their own. I think the manager wins in every case, Jack. Uh, let me ask you this, okay? And I love the Billy Martin reference, but I'll leave that to talk. I'm gonna, but let's hypothetically make believe one second. A team has a managerial vacancy, and they have the money to spend. Money's not the issue, and they have a managerial vacancy. And every manager in baseball is available for them to slot into that, or they could have Otani. I don't think any team would take the manager instead of Otani, who's the premier free agent this year. And I think that's basically your answer. I mean, the Yankees during their glory years, 1949 to let's say, let's say not 1964, from 1960 when they had Casey Stengel. I mean, if they had a choice, Casey or Mickey Mantle, they take Mickey Mantle. You always take the super player. Now we're talking baseball only. OK, when we talking about baseball, because sometimes in football, a single coach can make a big difference over a single player. I mean, I don't know, Mac, if I asked you, Bill Parcells or Lawrence Taylor, if you could only have one during your time with the Giants, who was more important, actually? LT acknowledged uh, the consensus greatest defensive player ever or a great coach in Bill Parcells, I'll guess that Bill Parcells is more important. The program he set up and all overrode LT's enormous contribution as a player. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's players win games at the end. You know, I understand all that. Uh, but, but in baseball, baseball's different. The manager is not quite as important as one, I think, in basketball or, or as the coaches in football. Well, you brought up Otani. Who did Otani play with last year? The last couple of years. Well, the Angels and, didn't win with them. No, no, the yeah, Angels didn't win with them. They I didn't agree. Win so, with the, they didn't win with Joe Madden when he was the manager and established I, I'm manager. Just saying, so I'm just saying. Good. I'm just saying that you said you take Otani over a manager. Who did Otani yeah. play with last year? I, I there's there's something to be said, Jack, about putting a team together and getting the right chemistry. And normally, those are the teams that win. The Red Sox didn't win just because they had they had those great players. They won they won because they had a manager that could blend these players together. Okay, how different they were. And in fact, I forget what the nickname they had for that Red Sox team was. But he blended. Yeah, those yeah, little, he blended I want to throw this question to Doc. A hypothetical question. Okay, Aaron Boone resigns as Yankee manager. You have a young Jim Leland who, who we congratulate on his induction into the Hall of Fame uh, recently. Jim Leland at his peak, okay? You could have him as Yankee manager or you could have Otani. You can only have one of the two to slot in this year. Who do you take? I well, think it's pretty easy. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to surprise you on this because I think it's contextual. If I'm the Yankees and I'm looking to win the World Series in 2024 and all things are equal, 
where's Otani going to play for the 2024 Yankees? I take the manager. Otani doesn't have a role. He can't, there's nowhere for him to play on the 2024 Yankees. He can't pitch. He has, he just had surgery. So he's a DH. Well, uh, you, you, you're narrowing it down to one year. You have Otani moving forward basically the rest of his career. And you have you have Otani the next 10 years. You have Leland the next 10 years. And Leland's a heck of a manager. He gives you stability. He's tough. He's smart. You know, he's compassionate. He has all the qualities you want in a manager. He's a polished, calmer, more intelligent, stable version of Billy Martin. How's that? Okay. Um, you're not going to like my answer. I, I, and okay, I don't really okay. think okay. about this. Okay, the opinion. Yeah, sure. All right, so okay. I, I would bet, and I don't bet, but I would bet Jim Leland's, ne- you know, a young Jim Leland, I would bet his next 10 years will be better and more productive and more impactful than Shohei Otani's next 10 years. So you would, t- you see your answers with the manager. You would rather have the, uh, a, a top of the line manager as opposed to a top of the line you know player i think it's a tough question i think it's contextual see i'm i'm everybody's high on otani and listen i'd love to have him on the yankees i think he's great i mean he's a, obviously i mean it's silly to argue against otani but he's 30 and he's had two arm surgeries we don't know if he's ever going to pitch again he doesn't know if he's ever going to pitch again if he's going to pitch again it's not till 2025 He's a DH. And I know a lot of people say, well, he can play outfield. We don't know that he can play the outfield. He hasn't played the outfield on a regular basis, really, since he was in Japan. It, it It's it's like 10 years ago. I, I looked it up the other day, so I don't have the exact numbers. But if you look at his numbers, I don't think he's played the outfield since like 2014 or 2013. He was a younger guy back then. Now he's, he's a, in his He's 30s. a natural athlete, that guy. He, he's I, I know that's the argument. but athlete. But, but if you haven't played in the field in, in years and years and years, there's got to be some type of learning curve. You're, you're, you're not dealing with, is Otani a better outfielder than Paul Semendinger or Jack Hirsch? Of course he is. He's a great athlete. But is he a better athlete than a typical major league outfielder who's been playing in the outfield every day for 10 years? How much better can Otani be than them after not playing the position for a decade? It's, it becomes a great question. I don't have an answer to it, but I, I, I'm not going to just assume that Otani is a great outfielder just because, well, we're going to put him out there and he's going to be great. I, I don't know that. And so I'm, I'm not as high on everybody for Otani going forward. Neither. I'd want him on the team. Of course I would. But I don't, I don't have this idea that he's going to be this transcendent player through his 30s because we don't even know if he can pitch. Well, with with – with with his arm injury, we still don't know if he can play the field and have a strong arm either. So we don't know. That's correct. Don't know how long he's going to be in, in 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 you know laid off from that. So you got Bruce Harper, right? Great, Bryce great Harper. free agent. Bryce Harper, his brother Bruce plays too. But Bryce, well, a former free agent. He's not a free agent anymore. Was free agent. Well, he was signed as a free yeah. agent, right? And yeah. with that, have the fill is. Is the manager more important than Bryce Harper over on that team? I think no, he is. no, not at I all. With the Phillies, I don't want to hear bottom line. Guys like you and Doc are always whether you win the World Series or not. To me, if you're in the mix, it's great. The Phillies have been in the mix. They lost in the semifinals this year. Never should have lost to the Diamondbacks, but they did. 
a shame on them for blowing that series. And they lost in the World Series to the Astros the year before. They were up 2-1. But the idea they were knocking on the door with Bryce Harper, coming close. And he's the leader of that Philadelphia Philly team. Yeah, I think, I think that's I think you're making a great point because Bryce Harper is a transcendent player who is impactful on the diamond and is a proven winner. That's the other thing about Otani. And I don't want to make this against somehow bad against Otani. I love Otani. I want him on the yeah, wait, 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 wait. Let me let me back up. But, but he's not he's me. never won anything. Why do you want him Bryce on the Harper's not a proven winner? That Washington Nationals won the World Series the year Bryce Harper left without him now. So let, let's point that out. And why do you really want Otani on the Yankees? I don't understand. Oh, because I want every great player on the Yankees. I, no, I, mean, I don't think the Yankees would sign Otani. I no, mean, they're not they're going to. to pay. That's what, what I just that, that was my point. He doesn't fit on the Yankees. There's no place for him on the Yankees. I don't you're 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 you're, you're conflating two different things. In real life, does Otani fit on the Yankees? No, of course he doesn't. He, he can't pitch. He can only DH. Year, Doc. That's twenty twenty five. He's right, but we don't know where again. he's going to be going forward. The Yankees still have players who can do what he does. Right? Everybody keeps saying no. Juan Soto can't, can't play in the outfield. Does. He's going to be a DH. Well, you can't have Juan Soto and Otani as the DH. Plus, the Yankees have Jason Dominguez. I, I agree. They got Anthony Rizzo at first base right now, so there's no way they could shift Otani to first base and he's net wait but but he's never played first base he's never played the position we have this idea sometimes that you can take a player and just say well we'll put otani at first base he's a great athlete mike piazza tried first base was a disaster who's a greater fielder ever who's a greater fielder ever than joe dimaggio joe dimaggio they tried him at first base for like a week and it was like a disaster. Like, get out well, of here. He hated it. He hated it the most. The part of his attitude. Mickey Mantle was moved to first base. And Mickey Mantle was not a good first baseman. Well, that's what they usually did in the past years ago. They they hit a guy in fir, at first Gary base. Gary Sheffield tried first base. It was a disaster, yeah. right? Like, yeah. this Carly, was a guy who played Carly, third base. Carly Scrimpsy. Carly Scrimpsy did okay at first. He did do Yeah, it. sure. There's always going to be guys who did it. He but, did but okay. the, the, but he was a lot better outfielder than he was a first baseman, that's for sure, in his prime. There's and, no and doubt. So this idea that you can just move somebody, well, he'll just play first base. That's so rare that somebody can just go from position A to position B and do yeah. very well. So in 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 a in a fantasy world, who wouldn't want Shohei Otani on their team? He's fun, I, he's I, exciting, he's great. Yes. I do know, does he fit I, on I the Yankees? I don't, I don't think know so. about that, Doc. I don't know if I would want Otani on the Yankees. I really I I don't know if I would. You, you would Seriously, I, mean, I mean, let me let me tell you something. You got these great, uh, great yeah, yeah, you got yeah, Barry yeah. Bonds. You got all <laughs> these great players that that have played out there. What does Otani give you that Aaron Judge doesn't give you? That Soto doesn't give you right now? What what does he give you? He gives you an addition to them. Addition an to what? addition to them. We're not asking him to replace a what they have to do. They you, have to do you, what they have to do. Do you really Look, if you can give, if you can get rid of Stanton and you can give me Otani to be my well, yeah, I'll take yes, that. I'll take that. But is Otani better than Judge? No, but nobody's saying he is. Yeah, but they're acting like he is. We got, we got. I mean, he might be. I don't say he's not. Look, if Otani is able to pitch, he's not going to pitch this year. He's going to pitch the year after. If he comes back helping, who's to say he's not going to pitch next year at all? He's a two-way player. 
he if he's not an ace of a pitching staff, he's a solid number two. We all agree on that, right? Yes. And as an everyday bat, he has one of the best bats in baseball, maybe the best. Maybe he's he's in the argument. I don't think he is. But so the point is, yes, in a perfect world, I want him on the Yankees. Of course I would. You'd be silly not to want Ochao Otani on your team. And I'm going to yeah. tell you, you know, you, you're getting all excited to want Soto signing. But turn around. They're going to have to do a little juggling with their outfield. You know, Al Fideo, he's not necessarily a center fielder. Judge, do you really want him playing there full time? Eh, I don't feel comfortable with the way I'm And Soto <laughs> is not a good defensive outfielder. Let's call him average, okay? And you hope he can maintain being an average defensive player. Didn't we pick up a guy from the Boston that's like a two time Golden Glove center? Fideo. How do you pronounce his Verdugo. name? Verdugo. But, but he's, I don't think he's yeah. ever won the gold glove. The guy who won the gold gloves was the throw-in in the Soto trade, Trent Grisham. He's won two gold gloves. Grisham can't hit at all. That's the problem about it. He's good late-inning replacement. You know, if, you, if you're playing Stanton, the occasional game there in the outfield, and they're going to have to play Stanton in the field. They can't let him tie up the DH spot, you know, the whole time. Grisham is good, you know, coming in maybe in the seventh inning after Stanton has hit an eighth inning. You know, defensively, he's pretty good. So, great, great questions. Listen, that we're, we're, we, we have used up the questions, so I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions out of the blue. I'm going to put you on your toes. All right, here's the go, first. Before oh. you go, Doc, Doc yeah. before you go, let, let, me, let me throw. I don't know if I, I put this in there or not. If you were Zach Wilson, and I'm gonna ask you, Doc, this. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if, if you're on because you do follow Jets and you have followed Zach Wilson. If you are Zach Wilson, would you even want to start for the Jets? Oh that controversy this week was the single most absurd thing I ever heard in the world. That Zach Wilson said, I don't think I want to play. If he was on my team, I would have walked over to him, taken his contract, and ripped it up and said, okay, good. We gave you $35 million or whatever, and you owe us money. Of course you're going to play. If the Jets called me – listen, and I'm not a big person. If <laughs> I'm like 5'8". If the Jets called me right now, and I'm 55, I'm old, I would get hurt. If the Jets called me right now and they said, Paul, you're quarterbacking Sunday – and you're going up against who's the best defense in, in, in the NFL? The, the Cowboys, right? They have this great defense, right? So you're we're playing the Cowboys, and you're going to get sacked 50 times. I'd go out there and play quarterback. If I'm Zach Wilson and you don't want to play, if you're a professional athlete and you don't want to play, that's embarrassing. Every single Sunday when I go to play baseball and, and then one day during the week and I pitch, if my coach ever said to me, do you want to play? And I said, no, he'd tell me to go home. Like, and don't come back next week. That's ridiculous. Do I want to pitch? Of course I want to pitch. So if I'm Zach Wilson, of course I want we to We don't know whether that really was the case, okay? So before attacking Zach Wilson, we don't know was it true. There's denials as far as that being said. Chances are he was brainstorming. We all do it at one time or another. We all think of things in our head and we contemplate and we say, oh, maybe I don't want to. And then you say, yeah, I want to do it. Maybe but I don't want to quarterback. The idea that you think for a moment that maybe I don't want to back off and I don't want to. You're entitled to think that. You're entitled to mumble that and then move on from that thought. Not if you're and a professional. 
And to, yeah, of course. You know, I mean, when you've been moved around and moved around and moved around, you're kind of like sick of it after a while. But Zach Wilson's playing. Bottom line, he's playing. He's not arguing against playing. And Aaron Rodgers jumped to Zach Wilson's defense. He's really furious the way this has gone down. He said Zach never said that, you know, and he's so let's so let me, not let, you let know, me ask let me ask you this, Doc. Let me ask you this, Doc. You're a principal, right? So as a principal of school, they uh you're you're there, they uh they decide that they want another principal to come in. So you're having problems saying with organizing stuff or whatever, and they say, Well, you're gonna go be assistant principal for a while. And they put somebody in your place. And then this guy has problems. They say, well, Doc, we want to move you back to principal. We're going to put this guy back to assistant principal. They go out, they hire this legendary principal from New York. And then Doc's they bring him assistant principal. When and Doc is assistant principal yeah. because this guy comes yeah. in because he's the best principal in New yeah. York. And for some reason, he gets really That's sick fair. and he can't be their principal anymore. So then they move you back to principal. And after a while, they say, well, you know, you're still not doing that good job of a job, Doc. So we're going to bring in another guy, and he's not as good as you as a principal, but we're going to make him principal and put you back to assistant principal. Hey, Doc, he didn't make it. You want to be our principal again? What are you going to say? Yes. Wow. Well, you're but, but, but you're entitled, <laughs> to, you're, you're entitled <clears throat> to be uh, contemplating, do I even want to go back and do this? Because no, I'm going to say. I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to be better than I was last time. If I'm Zach Wilson, I'm thrilled that I'm getting another opportunity. That's me thinking, wow, they're throwing me a lifeline now. I have one last chance to show what I could do, and I'm going to take advantage of this. I agree with that, but let's not overreact to an initial reaction. I don't, and I'm going to tell you why I don't, because he still has a crappy offensive line. And when he goes out there and he fumbles the ball or he throws an interception or whatever because of the pass rushes in his face and he blows the guess whose fault it's going to be. It's not going to be offensive line. It's but not going to be Robert It's going to be Zach Wilson's fault again. They destroyed this kid. Salah has handled it terribly since he's been there. He has let people wear shirts saying Mike White's better. He has sat him down when he shouldn't have. He has brought in Aaron Rodgers. He got hurt. He didn't go get it. He, he brought him back in again. Then he goes out and gets Boyle, plays him. He gets some other quarterback, plays him instead of Zach Wilson. If I was Zach Wilson, I'd tell him, take his football and shove it. That's what I would tell him. And go ahead and try to fire me. You can't fire me. I'm under contract. I'll be at every practice. You put me in a starting quarterback, we see what happens. That's what I would do to Robert Sala. I'd get his ass fired. That's what I would do. Well, if Zach Wilson were a good quarterback, none of these things would have ever happened. He's not a good quarterback. So the fact that he's not a good quarterback exacerbates the problem. The Jets, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, should have gone out and gotten a good quarterback. They should have scoured the world. If I were the Jets, I would have called up Tom Brady. That's what I would have done. I would have said, hey. He was understudy of the MVP of the league, Doc. He worked all year with Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson. Worked all, no, he, he didn't worked work all year. He worked season, the whole season, season with right, Aaron Rodgers. And he's Rogers. not good. He I has, can work all offseason with Aaron Rodgers. I can have Aaron Rodgers live in my house for 10 years. He has the greatest off uh, offensive quarter in Hackett that doesn't know how to call a game. They score six points a game. You're going to put it all on Zach Wilson. You're wrong. Doc. Yes. It's not, no, Doc. he's not good. Me, not all. 
but he's not good. Was he good last year? Was he good the year before? Has he ever been good? He's never been good. He's a bad quarterback. If he was good, the Jets wouldn't have gotten Aaron Rodgers in the first place. Well, I think they they moved up. Well, let me right. let me ask you guys this. He was benched okay. last year. That's right. So why because he's not bench? good? So why well, have him why start him? Then why start him, Doc? If he's that bad, they got to play. Someone's got to play quarterback. Right. And why keep Boyle in there? Boyle got cut. He was so yes. bad. They cut, cut him. They can't put him back. Right, right. The but, yeah, Travis Zach Simmons Wilson is, is better. The, the, the argument is this. The reason Zach Wilson's starting now is because Zach Wilson is better than terrible quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah Zach Wilson is good. Let me ask you guys this. The biggest name in New York baseball, I think, this off for the next year is going to be Scott Boris because he's representing Pete Alonso and Juan Soto. And he's going to take both of them to free agency in all probability, unless the Mets step up with Alonzo and give him a tremendous, tremendous offer. And to me, I wouldn't deal with Scott Boris if I could help it. That's why I don't even like to trade for guys, because he's going to want opt-outs. Scott Boris, what do you think of this, guys? He had the audacity this week to ask the Phillies to give Bryce Harper a contract extension and Harper has eight years remaining on his deal. You heard me. Eight years. And he wants an extension? I mean, come right. on. They made the no, deal no. with the Phillies long term. Eight years. Mac, do you give him the extension, Harper? Of course. I give him 20 more years. What the hell, right? <laughs> we'll keep him there till he's six. Eight though. years. He wants a couple of more years packed on. Yeah, Two, three more. Stick with it. Jack, if, if you were a, a, a boxer or uh, boxing, it doesn't really work. If you were a baseball player and your agent, you, you saw these guys getting these other big contracts. Bryce Harper's actually signed to a very reasonable contract. No, yeah. Would you be upset if your agent, he didn't demand to the Phillies that Bryce Harper gets extra extension. He just said, yeah, we'd like to ask for it. Wouldn't you want your agent to do that? When you got eight years left, that's basically like asking for renegotiation. Well, that was one of the things. But, but, but wouldn't you uh, want your agent? Was that what his job to do is to ask questions? Yeah, but but the audacity, eight years left and saying, well, he wants to finish his career. Does it make any sense for the team to, no. you know, to extend? Listen, I would, if I were a team, in certain instances, I would do it. If a player was Truly getting low-balled. I don't mean just under market value. Was paying a ridiculously low amount. And I had him on the contract for years. I tried to smooth things over and make things a little more fair. I would have Harper was getting, let's say, $5 million a year the next eight years. I couldn't let that be, even though legally I would have him under that control. That would be awful to do. I would then sign him to an extension at big money, see that he got a bonus kind of a bit up front. I would work something out. But Harper's getting good money. Listen, even like we talked about the judge contract before $40 million a year. Enormous money. But in five years, if players are getting $55, 60000000 million and judges producing the same way, it's not going to look like a great contract for judge. That's the gamble you take on the long-term deals. You could outperform the contract. Maybe. And that's what's going to make 
the Soto contract, very interesting. Boris is going to ask for opt-outs. He's going to demand it. He's going to want 12 years, maybe more, maybe 14 years. Soto's going to be 26. So 12 years might not be so terrible to do. Certainly 10 years would be viable if it's a 26-year-old like Soto. But he's going to want opt-outs after, like three years, after five years, like and all that stuff. And I, you know, this opt-out stuff is terrible. Garrett Cole's basically going to be a free agent next Mm-mm. year. He has a big yes. One year left, he can opt out, Garrett Cole. But the Yankees can override the opt-out. What can they do? I, what, I wasn't they, aware the of The Yankees that. can override the opt-out by giving him one more year, I think, at $36 million. Oh, it add on an additional year? Oh, okay. So if Cole has a big year, the Yankees are absolutely going to do it. If he performs the way he's been performing. And he, and he and that would take him through age thirty seven, so that's all good, you know the way I see it. But with Pete Alonso, and we're talking all this Yankee talk, and Steve Cohn now, Steve Cohn's going to do something big, I think, before the season starts for the Mets. I mean, he's a level headed guy in one sense, but he's a big spender. He's already made his splashes since he took over his own. It hasn't worked. Do you see Steve Cohn becoming Mr. Patient now, all of a sudden, or being the same aggressive guy? If I'm Steve Cohen, I go out and I get every possible great player I can get because I need to compete against the Yankees, who seem finally to be doing that. I know Mets fans aren't aren't too happy watching their Mets groups and stuff. They're not happy with Steve Cohen right now or their GM. How can they not be happy with Steve Cohen? Everything not doing do. They're not doing anything right now, Jack. That's why they're not. Well, it's going to be Yamamoto. That's going to be the big. That's the big one. Yeah. Cody Bellinger is kind of a mirage. Not that he won't have a couple of good seasons going forward, but not for what you're going to have to pay him in the length of years. I I agree with that. I had a writer on Start Spreading the News, Mike Whiteman, who actually, though, came up with a thought. And I'll just leave this here. That'll be the last thing. Really just a quick thing. In 2009, the Yankees were not in at all on Mark Teixeira. He was not coming. He was not coming. He was going to the Red Sox, et cetera. And then at the like 11th hour, the Yankees swooped in and got him too after signing CC Sabathia and, you know, getting a couple other uh, AJ Burnett, I believe, uh, Nick Swisher, a couple other minor moves. And then they swooped in and got Teixeira. It's not impossible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying it's not impossible that. Cody Bellinger and his agent are overstating his market. And there is no 10-year deal out there for him. There's not even a five-year deal out there for him that it's only like going to be four years because he's got to prove it. He had one good year out of the last three or four. And if he all of a sudden becomes a guy who you can get for four years, I could see the Yankees swooping in and saying, there's our guy who could actually play center field, who is a regular player. Now you can trade Verdugo or Grisham or both of them. And Anthony Rizzo is a free agent at the end of the year. Then um, Bellinger could switch over to first base. And if Dominguez is healthy, he becomes your center fielder. Crazier things have happened than the Yankees swooping in and getting Bellinger. And boy, if they did that, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right. You know what? I left them speechless. You're right. They still made pitching and we'll leave it oh, at of that. Course. You know, oh, I know. Yes. Get it I have an article coming in, too. I mentioned that. That's what it's all about, basically. Yankees are not done yet. But you can't criticize getting Juan Soto, baby. 
All right. Uh, anyway, it could be a one year. It could be a one year rental. Then yeah, that's fine. Let me This is the happy. I happy as I've seen Doc in months. So I'm just gonna relish that, guys. Tomorrow, the big football Sunday morning big football show. Great guests. Great, great, great people talking fun football and insight. That's all tomorrow at eight a.m. to ten a.m. So join us there for tomorrow for the big football show. Have a great day, everybody. Take care.